This is the Birth Uprising Podcast. I'm Dr. Sarah, a chiropractor and birth educator, and I'm here with my co-host Emily, a preconception coach and doula. We want to help you to think more critically about what you've been told is necessary and normal during pregnancy and birth, and to discover all the options you weren't told in your seven-minute OB appointments. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Birth Uprising podcast. Hello. Today, we're going to be talking about natural birth in a hospital setting. Is it possible? Dun, dun, dun. So first, let's talk about what is natural birth. Right. Because that's controversial now, and uh, everyone does not agree on it. And I see people saying a lot now that all birth is natural. Oh. So why don't we hear what you have to say about that? And then I'll, I'll tell you what I I was going to ask you first. <laughs> <laughs> okay. A natural birth. I mean, I prefer the term unmedicated, but it goes beyond that. To me, it extends into... Any medical intervention, and that is definitely, it brings up stuff that happens at home birth as well. Um, for example, like my home birth, my bag of water was broken by my midwife. Is that a natural birth? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, it's an, it was not an intervention-free birth. Mm -hmm. um, right? Yeah. So for me... A natural birth is an unmedicated, minimal intervention birth, but definitely unmedicated. That includes IV medication. I don't know if that includes IV like saline, like just for hydration. Mm -hmm. um, that would be an at-home intervention measure as well. I don't even know if I'd put that in the intervention. I don't know. It is a medical intervention of a sort. Um mm -hmm. But is it hindering or helping labor medically? It's literally just hydration. You know, gosh, there's so much nuance. It's really, I think it's really complicated. Um, it's extremely for me, complicated. For me, what it comes down to is the thing that bothers me about that statement that all birth is natural is it's, it's like fed is best, right? It's not true. You're trying to make everybody feel better, but it's not true. Having, right. as someone who has had a surgery to birth a child, having your abdomen sliced open to have your child removed from you is not natural. And I've looked up the definition of natural because I wanted to know what it was. And it is something like this, if I can remember it properly. It's something that happens basically in nature outside of human intervention so without a human doing something to change the mm -hmm. way a natural like a regular a process would go and that surgery is certainly not natural but i think that no the the biggest problem to me is you're trying to make people feel better probably about something that happened to them and i get that but changing what a word means is not solving the problem it's like lowering testing standards to get into college and now these are passing. It doesn't mean you're smarter. Right. So 
yes, you might feel you might feel bad when someone says uh, that they had a natural birth and that's what you wanted. I get that. I was that person. I know that very well. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't make what ha- what happened to you natural. It also doesn't mean that what happened to you was bad. I think that's the other thing. Correct. Is natural doesn't necessarily mean best or good. It's not equating those two things. It just means mm-hmm. in nature, if left alone, this is the way that birth would go if there were no outside forces. Like if you watch an elephant give birth or a giraffe give birth, this is how they give birth in nature. If those same animals had an issue that needed intervention, surely, you know, like gorillas and monkeys in zoos have given birth by C-section, possibly because they needed to. Okay, like I literally didn't even know that. I just saw a story about that recently and I was like, what? Yeah, I mean, why wouldn't they mess with them too? <laughs> right? Yeah. So crazy. They, they just think that, you know, it's a it's a better option. I don't think that one thing is better than the other as far as like you you have a certain type of birth and you're a better person because of it. I do think that certain things are better for you and for mm-hmm. your baby than others if you can achieve those things. And the more, and this goes with everything and not just birth, the more we stay in line with what nature intended, the less trouble we get ourselves into. But that's not always possible. And some things, some medical interventions are important. And I think, well, you know, we'll always touch on that, that if you can avoid these things, that's the best option. But if you can't, there are reasons for medical interventions. There's a reason for the emergency room. There are reasons for hospitals. And these places and these interventions can be helpful if used in the right way. But I think when something like a C-section happens in one out of three women, then there are a lot of women left feeling really sad and longing for what they didn't have. And if we change the term you know, every birth is natural, or we say, you know, a belly birth instead of C-section. Right. We're removing what happened to these people, which, I mean, yes, we're trying to make them feel better, but we're also, we're giving too much grace to the people who did it to you. And so I'm not for- 100%. I'm not for changing stuff like that because I feel like it makes it seem like it's not a big deal, and then you don't think of it like it was a big deal, and then you aren't angry or questioning what happened to you as if something was done wrong to you. You accept it because, you know, we've, we've changed it so it doesn't sound so bad. So that's my take on what natural... And what, but like you said, it gets, it gets really gray because little things... Does that mean that there's absolutely no help of any kind. What if you have a doula there in the in the right. woods? If you were alone, would you have a doula? Uh, like, is a cervical check? Does that make your birth unnatural? Right. So, right. I, don't I know. think it's it's confusing. But I think what people I wanted I want to like I I want to touch on that really quick with like when it comes to midwifery and the minimal intervention model for midwives who are truly minimal intervention, we think about natural in the animal world, right? Which I love the definition of like what you said is natural. It's like 
this would happen in nature, like on its own without any help from anyone. But human nature is different from animals, like other animals who are not as conscious as we are. Mm -hmm. So we say. So human nature is to be of service and to help. So I actually, I really do teeter the line when it comes to minimal intervention because I think a cervical check, you know, like free birth society is going to call that just like absolute abuse, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I get it. You know, I totally get that. Mm -hmm. You could call that total, a total violation of a female body. And then on the other hand, can be a helpful, useful tool mm -hmm. in some cases. Breaking a bag of water, I try to think sometimes, okay, what if they, what if I was alone and my water hadn't been breaking? What would I have done? And I was in excruciating agony. And I probably would have just tried to like fall asleep. You know, I would have just gone into bed in total defeat mode. I mean, assuming I wasn't going to call 911 to come get me, I would have just probably tried to stall labor myself somehow because it was just so gnarly, you know, so I would have done something to, you know, myself to try and make the process less unbearable. So I really think a natural labor is super, is such a gray area when it comes to out of the hospital setting. Mm -hmm. Because it is in human nature to be of service and to help women. And so midwives really are those service role when it comes to birth. Well, I think years ago, a generation ago, before terms got real blurry, mm -hmm. natural birth just meant vaginal birth. And actually, right. I, had, I had a party this past weekend with my family who I haven't seen in multiple years. And my so the office that I'm sitting in right now was uh it's a porch actually it's a three season porch that we like blocked off a section and turned it into an office and so they walked in through our front door and we're like there's a door there now and there didn't used to be a door mm -hmm. and i said well it's an office now it's my office and my cousin was like what do you need an office for like she had because i haven't seen her in so and like a multiple years and she knows that i'm a chiropractor but that i've been home so she's like, what are you even like? Why do you need an office? That's hilarious. And I was like, You're like oh, you don't follow me on Instagram. Right. She doesn't have a cell phone. She still doesn't. Oh. Yeah. Which bravo to her. She's how old is she? Uh, 50. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. She's like she's one of the last holdouts. You know, she's not that old. She just she's like, whoa, you know, 12 years older than me or something. I don't know. Anyway, so she. She doesn't have Instagram, so no, she does. She doesn't know about me. <laughs> but she was like, "What do you even need an office for?" And I found myself. She and her husband and my aunt were sitting at a table, and I was cooking, and I was kind of explaining what why I have an office and kind of what I do and how my birth with Bo was a C-section that wasn't necessary. And they were like, "I didn't even know that was a thing." Like, if you're not inside like the Instagram birth world. <laughs> There's so there's so little that a lot of people know. You just kind of take for granted. And I think when you're inside something like that, it's that's the case regardless. It was the same with chiropractic. People would come into our office and I'd be like, oh, I totally forgot that you just like you you don't know what this muscle is or that 
if you feel this pain, right. you can stretch this way. Or it just it's just second nature to you when you do it all the time. Yes. And so I'm explaining to them while I'm cooking. Mind you, I'm making lasagna. I hate when people in the kitchen with me. I thought when we moved, I was like, everyone says they want an open concept. I was like, I want a closed concept. I want a room. I want a kitchen that has no doors. I don't want anybody in here because they make me nervous. Like I'm like making this mm -hmm. food for you. What if I'm forgetting what I'm, the steps to what I'm making? And now you're watching me. You're talking to me, and you want me to have this conversation. I'm like inside my brain on one side, trying to have a conversation with you, but also I'm like, am I screwing up the lasagna? Because these people are going to eat this in like 45 minutes. So I don't like people in there. So I'm trying to have this conversation with them while trying to make this food. And I'm like trying not to get angry because I get angry about this stuff. And they have no idea what I'm talking about. But I mentioned uh, C-section. And then with my cousin's husband sitting there, normally I'm all about saying vagina. I do not care. It doesn't bother me. But I was mm -hmm. like, I stopped myself from saying vaginal birth and said natural birth because I think he would have just had a heart attack. <laughs> so, I think some people still refer to vaginal birth as natural birth, and that's what they mean by it. And they don't necessarily gotcha. uh, associate any of the other things. Yeah, some people, I think everybody's definition is different. Some people think that yeah. having a vaginal birth, but with an epidural, is natural because the baby came out the <laughs> hole that it was intended. Uh, so I think, yeah, yeah, it can get. It can get really, really uh, confusing. So I'm, I'm interested to hear what totally other people think. Oh yeah, let's. If you're listening, send us your definition. Yeah. For me, it's really unmedicated and very minimal intervention. Honestly, getting my water broken is unnatural. Yeah, it's probably not a natural birth. You know, and I'm cool with that. I had an unmedicated home birth. That's what I wanted. Yeah. I was. Very open to midwife intervention, mm -hmm. you know, if it was necessary or uh, recommended. Um, and unmedicated was the goal. The home, stay at home was the goal. I had an unnatural intervention mm -hmm. that I am very okay with because right. in the moment, I was like, why didn't we do this two hours ago? Let's freaking do and this. And I felt that too with my birth that was at home with midwives. I was very similar to yours like my births are not fun and you know the, towards the end I will say yeah. and very uncomfortable and my water doesn't break until the baby's coming out and at some stage I think I was like eight centimeters I had one cervical check I consented to it and we talked about breaking my water and then I just like avoided making that decision and then got back in the yeah. pool and then the baby was coming. But there was a point oh, where cool. I was like, maybe that would help. I feel like I need something to happen right now. Some relief. Yeah. To, to move to the next stage and like keep going. Cause I don't know how much longer this is going to last. So I get it. But I think, yeah, I think for everybody it's, it's different. It's a gray area, but I don't think anyone, if you're somebody who's had a birth that didn't go the way that you, wanted to like I did with my first it's not on you I know that that's hard to wrap your brain around when it's still like really close in the rearview mirror but it's not on you a lot of what happened to you was likely the fault of a care provider at the hospital or many or or midwife or like the story that you 
told us uh, a little while back of the woman who had a really great birth, but like an insane, crazy thing happened to her, the tear postpartum, and nobody could figure it out. Sometimes things just happen and it it may not go the way that you want, but it doesn't mean if you needed help, doesn't mean your birth was bad or less than. Oh, 100%. But I think a lot of people feel that way, especially if they feel pressure from groups like, I don't personally see this, but maybe it's because of like the circle of people I associate myself with on Instagram, but pressure from like the really crunchy moms groups that make them feel bad about any way that Mm -hmm. they've done something differently. And to that, I say, stop following those people because you don't need to be... (laughs) You don't, you probably feel bad enough about the decisions you're having to make in your daily life anyway, and not sure, you know, if you're making the right choice multiple times a day for your kids. You don't need to be following people who are going to be making you feel worse. So, of course, you know, and I I think about this a lot because, and this is a great segue into the whole purpose of this podcast. So, I have a friend here who um, now has three children, and she recently had her third in July. All of her babies were born in July and her birthday's in July, which is just so funny to me. Hmm. Um, uh, so both of her f- first two babies were born unmedicated in the hospital. And I was like, damn, both of them. She's like, I just had this amazing OB at my last hospital then before they moved here. And I was like, you know, my judgmental brain is like, that's crazy because that's so rare and man I can't believe you did that twice like after your first unmedicated hospital birth like I would just me in my head be like okay next time I'm going to hospital Mm -hmm. because I did it um and so for her third I kind of was like oh maybe she'll choose to do a home birth this time and she found an OB here and everything was great and she was really happy with her OB and I'm like obviously not going to project my shit onto her and like make her do what I think she should do. You're like waiting for the other shit I'm just like, I hope you have the same thing that you yeah. had with your old one. Because like, can that be repeated? Um, well, then sure enough, 37 weeks rolls around her baby's breach. And I'm like, oh, she's going to go home birth. She's going to pick. Mm-hmm. She's going to find a midwife last minute. And she just d- did not. And I'm just like, oh, my God, I hope they don't. I hope she doesn't do a C-section because she's already had two babies. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I hope this doctor does a vaginal breach and no one in New Braunfels does a vaginal breach. No one. That's not a thing here. Mm-hmm. Um, so they did an ECV and it worked. Mm-hmm. And an ECV, for those of you who are listening, is where they manually flip the baby from the outside. Oh, is that yeah. right? They don't do anything from the inside. Yeah. So it stands for external cephalic version. So cephalic means head. So the head's in the, you know, the baby's upside down. So it's head's up instead of down. And yeah. They do the procedure. You have to be in the hospital. You they put some kind of gel on your stomach. They slowly, carefully try to get the baby in the correct position. Sometimes they use numbing agents because it can be painful. Yeah, I've heard it's really painful sometimes. Yeah, and they also they they have to make sure that you're in the hospital for the procedure. They don't I mean, some midwives do do it as well at home. Um I think they're just a little bit more careful but what they're worried about is that 
because they're forcing your baby from one position to another, and it may be in that position for a reason, that they mm-hmm. can tear things. They could pull the placenta off the wall or wrap the baby oh, in yeah, the cord in a that. way that it shouldn't be or, put, you know, rip the cord or they're worried about something like that happening. And so they want to make sure that you're in. If they're going to do this to you, they want to make sure that they're ready to do surgery if they have to right away. Damn, I didn't even think about all that. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, and a lot of times, I don't know, I forget the success rate of it, but it's not great. No, I know it's not great. A lot of times the baby just moves back the way that it was because usually there's a reason why the baby's in that position. Whether it's because they don't have enough room or, you know, whatever. It could be their anatomy, your anatomy, the combined anatomies. Um, It's it's hard to say. So before, if you're going to have, for those of you listening, if your baby is breech and you're considering that, the reason you'd consider that is because some, generally, because someone's forcing you to. Because there's no one who will attend you if your baby's in the other position and you really, this is like a last resort. I feel like I have to be at this hospital. I have no other choice or they're going to cut me open, which is a really sad place to be put in. So if that is a place that you're in, there are other things that you can do prior to getting to that stage to hopefully change the baby's position. One of them is see a Webster certified chiropractor. So Webster Mm -hmm. technique is a chiropractic technique that doesn't turn babies around, but it does make more room in your pelvis. If one side is tighter than the other or joints aren't moving properly to make sure it's balanced and open and that the baby can get itself into the position it needs to when it's ready to get there, you can go to, I think it's ICPA, the number four kids.org. And there are Webster. I'm a Webster certified chiropractor. I'm not on the website because I don't pay every year to be on the website. (laughs) but. Yeah, I have that. taken the Webster technique. Um, that's that's one thing you can do. You can do uh, spinning babies, which you can just go look up spinning babies. There are a bunch of different techniques that help to get more space in the pelvis, get the baby moving around. Uh, the Miles circuit is another one. So there are acupuncture. Acupuncture. There there are a bunch of different ways that you can more naturally help the baby get into an optimal position before you get to that point. But that was an aside from your story. So anyway, back to your story. (laughs) Yeah, no. So anyway, it worked. And I was like, dude, this girl is lucky. Mm -hmm. And so then she posts about the baby being born and it was, I didn't see any signs of a C-section. And then I said, I texted her and I was like, hope everything went well. She's like, oh my gosh, I was getting my hair done. And I was starting having contractions, sitting, getting my hair done at the salon. And by the end of my appointment, I was like, I need to go to the hospital right now. She's like, by the third time, I know when we're, you know, transitioning into active labor. So she gets to the hospital and the baby was born like an hour later, mm-hmm. unmedicated for the third time in a hospital. And I was like, wow. wow. Like, what? And she's like, my OB sped across town and he didn't even have scrubs on delivering the baby. He was wearing a Hawaiian shirt and jeans. <laughs> I was like, that was amazing. <laughs> and so what I, you know, again, a good segue because 
That is so rare. So I posted a ton of stories on my Instagram today. Obviously not today when you're listening to this, but about just about just like horror stories from the hospital. Um, and she messaged me. She goes, this is insane. This is all so horrible. I can't believe like I didn't ever experience any of this. I'm like, you, you get to be like, that's how I feel. Like I get to be someone who's had two positive birth stories and I get to share that. And you get to be someone who shares that they had three positive unmedicated hospital births like who who has had that mm-hmm. like she's the only one i know yeah um, and that's so amazing so amazing for her because it is possible and she is just made to birth babies you know and not that all women aren't but it's easy it's generally easy for her you know her all of her labors have been short she got into the hospital miraculously found like very supportive team got no pushback from nurses like that is a gem experience mm-hmm. for this woman and like how wonderful for her, you know? And so even though I would look at her experience as unnatural because I don't think any birth in a hospital is natural. They, mm-hmm. Sorry. Mm-hmm. We're going to go there. Yeah. Um, it was unmedicated and it was positive and she had a great experience. Mm-hmm. And that is the most important thing. And obviously the ECV is a completely unnatural intervention. Um, is it wrong or bad? A lot of people might think so because doctors should just be skilled in breech birth. <laughs> but <laughs> duh. But it worked for her and it was safe for her. And you know what? I'm super happy for her. Mm-hmm. But is it possible to have a natural birth in the hospital? That's where we're at now. <laughs> yeah. You know, this is another thing I struggle with as well. So when I started my account on Instagram, I didn't know who I would help. And I really obviously have my preference of if you can stay home and that is what you want, please give it a try. Because, yeah, give it a try. It really works out a lot better and there's a lot less pushback than if you go to a hospital. So that's yes. that's my preference. But. I started to realize there were, you know, 99% of women who were are going to a hospital to have mm-hmm. their babies. And so if I wasn't helping them, I was, you know, missing out on all these people who could probably have a less bad experience. 100%. That being said, it's it's unbelievably hard. I made a post on this. I should repost it. It's unbelievably hard for all of the things to align for you to have a birth like that woman that you just talked about in a hospital. It's very, very unlikely that you will not be coerced and scared into things during your prenatal care, told that you need to have an induction for some reason, um, given extra testing. Uh, allowed allowed to come into the hospital when you're in spontaneous labor, when you feel that you should come in, refusing things that you don't want without anybody pushing back, and, you know, nobody scaring you into procedures while you're there trying to give birth, nobody bothering you during contractions, nobody telling you you have to have a continuous fetal monitor or an IV or you can't eat. It's really unlikely that all of these things will align. And if you're in a hospital, the staff turns over every eight hours. So if you're there a while, you have no clue 
when you show up who these people will be, they could be someone mm -hmm. amazing, like the perfect nurse you're dreaming of, or they could be someone terrible. And then they switch over in eight hours and it could switch. It could be, you know, the angel nurse turns to a demon nurse or, you know, maybe you get lucky and everyone's nice or maybe you don't. Everyone's bad. <laughs> like You just can't know. And it's really hard for that to happen. So I'm going to say that in a hospital, no matter how hard you try, that is not a natural environment to be having a baby, a, a giant industrial building that's meant for sick people that's going to be trying to poke you and prod you and trick you and sterilize you, um, both from like a germ perspective and maybe also a sterilize you from a baby perspective. Um, that's, that's just not, it's not natural, you know, but can you make it less yeah. bad? If that's where you have to go, can you make it better? Yes. You can, yeah. I think so. Oh yeah. I was, you know, as you were talking, for me, the environment is the biggest factor in the um, definition of natural. You know, and then someone, you know, some hater is going to be like, oh, well, your house isn't natural. <laughs> okay, like, we're not, we're not talking about that. Um, think about, and this is what I talk a lot about, too, when I teach my classes, when you're having sex, yay, let's talk about something nice, <laughs> yeah. hopefully for everyone. Mm -hmm. uh, you're unobserved. You're generally in a dimly lit or, you know, not um, fluorescent lit room. That'd, that'd be so comfortable. You are generally on a bed or on a couch or somewhere comfortable. You aren't texting anybody. You aren't answering any questions. You aren't um, deprived of anything. You know, it's a lovely environment for the most part when you are having sex with someone who you want to be making babies with. Let's just put it that way. Mm -hmm. When you're in a baby making time. Okay. I'm not talking about college. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's different. <laughs> yeah. Um, that is a natural love setting, right? There is oxytocin involved. There is intimacy involved. There is love involved. There is um, you're naked. You generally, hopefully, most women don't feel ashamed of themselves because they're with someone who they love and trust and feel safe with, Right. When you give birth at home and when I gave birth at home, I remember my first birth, I was so uncomfortable. And my doula was like, get in the shower. And I was like, yes, why didn't I think of that? So I got in the shower and then after I got out of the shower, my clothes were off. Like I did not put clothes back on. And my husband was like, I can't believe you're naked in front of all these ladies. I was like, I do not care. Yeah. Like I could not care less. Like I felt very safe with my midwives. I had established a wonderful relationship with them. And my doula, even though I had only met her a few times at that point for my first birth, I trusted her and I felt very safe with her. And I was like, she's a mom of four boys and she's a doula. She sees boobs all day long. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't care. You know? So I felt very safe in my own skin and I felt safe in my house and I felt very comfortable to just be me. No one 
was asking me annoying questions. No one was asking my family's history of diabetes or cancer or whatever the hell else. And everything was done with consent. My, um, you know, taking the baby's heart rate was like, either I didn't even notice it or it was like a very gentle, like, we're going to listen to baby's heartbeat or, hey, can I put the Doppler on? You know, of course, I didn't even notice them. They, I gave them essentially consent to everything upon working with them. You know, I trusted them that much, but they still asked every single time. Okay. Oh, last thing I wanted to say about that, like love making state uh, setting. And, and then similarly, the home birth setting is your brain is allowed to move into its our primal state. We don't have to keep our thinking brains on, you know, like our analytic brain, our logical brain turns off in labor. Like for those of us who have had that unmedicated experience, especially at home, you're like on another planet. You're not fully coherent. You're not fully conscious. You are in this limbo between worlds. Really, that's what it feels like. And that is by design. Your nervous system is designed to turn that anal analytical thinking brain off so that you can do the seemingly impossible and get that tiny baby, that baby out your tiny vagina. <laughs> um, <laughs> so there is so much of a flow in a home birth setting. You are able to dance through birth, to dance through the process, to move and to be free to move and free to make noise and free to be naked and free to eat food and free to poop on the floor if you you know because mm -hmm. shit just happens um or in the tub free to, yeah and free to just let your bodily functions do what they're supposed to mm -hmm. when you leave your house i think that is the first intervention maybe we've talked yeah. about this when you leave your house and get in the car, that is the first unnatural thing because you are leaving your safe space. You are leaving that primal space. And now, again, I understand, and I think this is a really important point you and I want to hit. We know that a lot of people don't have access to really good midwifery care. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about how to make it a good experience and a hospital mm -hmm. next. But when you leave that place of safety, of no inhibition of love that that special home you've built um your primal brain turns off and you go back into your thinking brain because you're thinking about okay when i get to the hospital i gotta get my insurance card out i gotta get my credit card out i gotta get my id out and i gotta be ready to you know it's like you're thinking about things and then you walk through the doors of the hospital and it's fluorescent lights nurses who are exhausted greeting you as, a, as someone who they don't care about, I'm not saying they're not going to care for you necessarily, but they don't love you like your midwives or your doula love. It's a different, it's a different relationship. You don't have that months of buildup of trust with the nurses who do your intake, right? So then you go to the triage room and they ask you your whole goddamn family history. I'm like, yo, don't you have this on file? Well, you would, like haven't I been your patient? Right, for, you would hope for nine months, but a lot of times yeah. they just don't. No, and it's it's. I asked my friend who's a nurse about this. She's like, "Oh yeah, it's just protocol," and I'm like, "Why? But why though?" So you're in this excruciating labor situation potentially. Maybe it's more excruciating when you leave that safe home, which I would argue it happens to everyone. Mm -hmm. Where labor feels more painful when you get up and moving and have to go somewhere. Um, or stops 
or stops, right? One or the other. And they ask you a billion questions and then you get into your room and then they put the fetal monitor on you, the, the contraction monitor and the heart rate monitor and the thing on your finger and the gown, because most women don't know that you don't have to wear the gown if you don't want to. And you're in the bed. And then maybe they have a yoga ball, but I think Cedars in LA was cool and then got really not cool again. And they don't let you have balls in there because one lady fell off her ball. I'm like, okay, <laughs> one lady fell off her ball. Like, guys, what are we doing? You know, like literally they're like, we don't have yoga balls any in here anymore because one lady fell off her ball. I'm like, holy shit. That's so ridiculous. So that I one know. lady was clumsy. So no one else can have them. I'm like, okay. So anyway, so point being, you're not in the primal state that your nervous system has created for this to be possible. You are, I mean, granted, not everyone, most women, that uphill battle to say no, 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 becomes intolerable. You're like, just let me fucking be. Yeah. I need to be alone. It becomes intolerable and then labor becomes intolerable. Mm -hmm. And that is why it is very, 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 very hard to have an unmedicated birth in a hospital. Well, and the staff, too, they can be the nicest people. And they, have they could have gone into their profession for the best reasons. They really want to help people. Yeah. The problem is they want to do stuff. They're the way that they're mm -hmm. trained. They're not trained to sit back and let you labor. They're trained to do stuff to you. So if yes. they're not doing something to you for X period of time, they feel like they're not doing their job or they're not following hospital protocols. Right. And they need to intervene. So like you said, they might, you get in there, they might offer you an epidural at, you know, whatever time. And you say, no, and please don't ask me again. And then they ask you again an hour later. And then a shift change happens. And then the next nurse asks you. And eventually you're like, fine, I just want you to stop. Yeah, like leave me alone. And you agree. This is what happened to me. And, if, and you eventually agree to these things that you didn't want because they won't leave you alone. And you're just not in your thinking brain and you keep getting interrupted, interrupted, interrupted. And you agree to things that you wouldn't because you just want to be able to do the job that you're trying to do with these people leaving you alone. And the only way that's going to happen is sometimes if you agree to stuff that you don't want. And that doesn't happen to everybody. Like it didn't happen to the woman you told a story about. But it happens a lot. A lot. Oh, my God. I mean, this is this is one of my biggest regrets as a doula. And I have shared this with this woman who has become this client who has become um, a friend of mine. She um, is sober. And so she wanted an unmedicated birth. I didn't really get it. This was one of my first births. I didn't really get that. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't really make the connection that drugs and labor are not good for people who are in recovery, mm -hmm. um, potentially not good. And I had never seen an unmedicated birth except for until I got there to the hospital with her. And I love this woman so much. She's just so funny. 
and she got to the hospital. She started um, with castor oil. And so she got to the hospital and she's like, my butthole hurts so bad. Like, labor doesn't hurt. She's like, oh my God, this was such a bad idea. And I was like, wow, okay, I didn't realize like, it could be like that. But yeah, I get it. Um, so finally, she's laboring on her hands and knees. She's doing amazing. And she's really just being left alone. But finally, one nurse comes in and offers her fentanyl. And at me, having not seen an unmedicated birth before and not really knowing the implications of fentanyl yet, I will fully admit that because I was a brand new doula. Mm -hmm. um, I just asked her, I said, hey, do you want the fentanyl? And she was like, yes. Uh, mm -hmm. Like that. A.K.A. not a real answer. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. So they just put the fentanyl in her IV. And she had the baby, like, no joke, like, 15 minutes later. Of course, she was in transition. Mm -hmm. But no one, including myself, was aware. Because now I know, you know? And, I mean, I was like, I just can't believe they offered you that. And I was like, I felt so bad. I don't have any guilt because I, I was so new. Um... But knowing what I know now, I feel so bad about it. Because I'm like, first of all, she was in transition, you dumbasses. Mm -hmm. Like, leave her alone. Second of all, she's offering a woman in recovery fed. Mm -hmm. What? Are you kidding me? So they, they cannot help themselves. They no. cannot help themselves. Well, and that is going to have to be a whole separate episode where we talk totally. about women who end up with drug addictions. After birth. Oh, damn. Because, I believe it. Because, Especially post-C-section, right? Yeah. Because it's huge. Uh, it's a huge issue. And another reason why, if you're getting an epidural, if you are someone who is in recovery or just doesn't want to mess with that kind of stuff, you need to know to ask what is in the epidural because it can have fentanyl. Most of them do. And to know to ask for one that does not contain that because otherwise explain your why yeah i mean it, it shouldn't even matter but at the, it shouldn't matter it shouldn't matter but at the same time you know if if you are comfortable sharing that i think they probably take you more seriously um if you told them it's like if you tell someone you have a food allergy they're more right. serious about you know not putting peanuts in your food than if you just say i don't like peanuts <laughs> you yeah, know totally um, totally yeah but that's that's really it's a really important topic because a lot of women and yes post c-section i think they're trying to cut down on it but even for me on the opioid yeah so when, prescriptions when yeah. i had my c-section they gave me some i forget what they gave me it wasn't a lot and it was only like 10 pills and it was just enough to last like a few days but I had never taken anything like that. And and my dad was actually a nurse in the emergency room for, I don't know, a really long time before he died of an opioid overdose because oh, he wow. was, yeah, so he was a, he was um, an alcoholic long before he became a nurse. But then he became a nurse. He stopped drinking but he had a friend who was a doctor who would prescribe him anything he wanted so he had like oh my god huge vials of oxycodone and morphine and it wasn't like a i took them all at once and died sort of thing it was like an over time my body shut down sort of thing but it always made me worried like if i were oh, to yeah. take something like that because i never had 
would it do the same thing to me? Would I all of a sudden become an addict? And so I really didn't want to take these pills. And I will say I did try one or two. All it did was make me tired. And I was like, why would you want to be more tired than you already are? Like, yeah, I don't have I don't have time for this. And so I didn't really take them. But I think they are cutting down on them because of the number of addictions people end up with, because not just birth, but all kinds of things. People will go in for a knee surgery, come up with opioids, end up with an addiction, can't get more legally, then they start doing heroin. So, I mean, that's a whole aside, but it's something that's a that, whole other podcast. Yeah, I think it's I think it's something that we should talk about because I think a lot of women don't think about it. Yeah, I feel very strongly about. Yeah, and I know you do too. Yeah, so I think if you're somebody who is going to have a surgery for whatever reason. Uh, or if it's a, a C-section that, you know, ends up not being planned or is planned, doesn't really matter, that you have an aftercare plan. And that part of that is whether you want to accept something like that. Yeah. You know, because it can it can cause issues. It could ruin your life. Yeah. And that's not natural. <laughs> it's not natural to bring it back to what this was supposed to be about. Right. Well, no, it's a it's a really important. I like I think just to reiterate, hit the nail on the head. I think you and I are both in agreement that you cannot have a natural birth experience at a hospital. It is a very, very, very unnatural birth environment. It is common. It is very, 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 very common. Mm-hmm. So common, one might consider it normal, but it is not normal. Nor is it natural. It is very, very against human nature. It is. V- highly medicalized you are only being treated by people who are trained in medicine not in midwifery physiologic birth Mm -hmm. they are trained in medicine someone sent me i mean another one of my stories today someone sent me a message that was like oh yeah i just got done with my labor and delivery rotation i'm in nursing school and it was really really interesting super eye-opening and one of the older nurses told me that many of the new ob's who are newly graduated OBs are afraid to even do vaginal deliveries and they only will recommend a C-section. I was like, oh boy, we are not headed in a good direction because all they learn is how to be highly skilled surgeons. Mm -hmm. That's really depressing. Why the hell do men go to... Oh, that's a whole other podcast. Like, you know, I love you, Dr. Stu, if you ever listen to this and we'll have you on. But like, why? I don't get it. I said to Michael, I'm like, yeah. how would a man ever, like, that's just, that's just kind of weird. And Michael's like, you know, they maybe just got an opportunity at the, that hospital, you know, and it just worked out. I'm like, mm-hmm. it's a, I think it's a hard, it's a hard profession to get into. And right. Right. I know. I think of Dr. Stu too, because I, I do really appreciate him as a human and we definitely will huh. try to have him yes. on because he is wonderful and he's really doing He's because he does he does really good work and he's helping a lot of people. Really good but, work. But yes, uh, to me, what what was the initial drive to get into that specialty? One where you are only having female patients. To me, it's just it seems a little nefarious, even if you don't yeah. realize as that male getting into that that it is. It's like a, a female doctor who only wants to be a proctologist. Right. Like, why? Why that particular thing? Why do you really want to, like, 
stick your finger up the guy's buttholes all the time. Like, why is that? Why did you decide that that particular thing was for you? I really don't get it. But you'll, you see that a whole lot more rarely. A woman trying, uh, being in a specialty that's just a men's health specialty. Very rare. Yeah, it's, it's very rare. But it's it's more common for men to be... The other way around. Yeah, to be obese. And not that this is going to be a, a man-haters club by any means. No. We love men. Yeah. But I just want to understand it because I don't get it. And it just... I really don't get as it. As much as there are some great male OBs who just, like Dr. Stu, sits back for the majority of it and understands physiologic yes, yes. birth, there that's not the norm. No. And... And it's not how women have been birthing for eons. Right. The men weren't there. My guess is they didn't even realize that it was odd for sure to get into that specialty when they were yeah choosing what they wanted to get into because yeah. of the last 100 plus years of male doctors deciding that they wanted to take over birth and basically everything else that it was just it was normal to them why would it why would it be weird and then some of them eventually like dr soup have kind of an awakening where they're like why are we doing all these things to women and why yes why why do they need me here like i'm not delivering your baby i'm here assisting you if you need help during your birth but you're doing the work not me why am i getting credit 100%. yeah and i think honestly this is actually talking about men in this paradigm is a really good maybe finisher because if we're talking about natural birth Medical school is very masculine. Mm -hmm. Anyone who goes into a schooling system is a thinking, academic, logical book person. And they are trying to study, 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 earn A's, 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 be successful, successful, successful. None of that is bad. We need that in society. But just know that if you are entering a schooling system, you are already in a, dare I even say, patriarchal system. So... That translates into then the hospital environment, which is a very patriarchal system. Mm -hmm. It is all about codes, rules, regulations, protocols. Da -da -da, da -da -da. There's no flow. There's no dancing. There's no normal. Nothing about that there's is no normal. dancing. <laughs> no dancing allowed. Unless you're a TikTok nurse. Yeah, then that's um, totally okay. Totally fine. It is a very patriarchal system. If you look at birth generationally, you know, for the last before 1900, it was matriarchal. It was female-centered birth with women. Mm -hmm. That, to me, is true. Even after that point, even when it went into the hospital setting, there may have been male OBs, but men weren't allowed in the room yeah. to give birth. So it was still something that wasn't completely... It still was just a woman's thing. I mean, people were still males doing stuff to her, but society hadn't wrapped its head around like this is a family thing. Yes. And that everyone could be involved in the family. It was still, you know, just we're going to, this is just the job of the woman in this room mm -hmm. at this time. And no, you're not allowed to. I mean, and what happened in that room that, you know, that person couldn't be there to defend? Back when, like, my aunt was here for that party I told you about, 
she was saying she had twilight sleep for at least one of her births. And my cousin was like, how does the baby even come out if you're passed out? And I was like, great question. How much do you want to get into? And then we we talked a little about fetal ejection reflex. And I think people were getting queasy and, uh, (laughs) and forceps and vacuums and stuff like that. But yeah, there's, I mean, we'll, we'll get into a whole, we'll get into all these things specifically, but yeah. So I think we're in agreement to complete our long thought. It's not really possible to have a natural birth in the hospital, but it is possible Mm -hmm. to have a, have a birth in the hospital that you are happy with or happy you're with because you've been educated about what you're going to be up against because you choose the best care providers for you because you know Mm -hmm. to stay home as long as possible because you have these Mm -hmm. tricks up your sleeve to make it the best you can in the situation you're given because sadly we don't all have the same opportunities and we don't all have access to you know 10 different hospitals or lots of home birth midwives or we don't have the money for certain things everybody's situation is different you have to do the best thing for you and your family in the situation you're in and that might be going to the hospital so knowing Mm -hmm. some of this stuff can really help you to make sure that you have the best experience possible even if you leave and say no that was not natural but I feel like I had the best experience that I could I'm happy with my experience yeah totally agreed yes and if you need any more information you know that we are both around I have a birth plan this is what I did in my my birth planning workshops that I've stopped for the time being but Just went over all that stuff, all the things that you're going to be presented with that you may not know so that you can look into them and you can figure out what your choices are going to be before somebody throws that at you when you walk into the hospital doors. You don't have to be thinking as much if you've already thought about it and already written down or checked off. And it's a lot of the same stuff that you do, too. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Holler at us. Well, if you need any help on any of these topics, you know where to find us. And we will see you next week. See you next week. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of the Birth Uprising podcast. Together, we can create an uprising in the birth world. Don't forget to share and subscribe 
so you can be notified every time a new episode is released. 